Support for another round comes from Squarespace. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code another round at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Ah! General excitement. I didn't pre-plan a noise. <laughs> I never pre-plan a noise, though, so that's not an excuse. Hi, Heaven. What up, Trace? How are you? Um, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> So this week, it's Mental Health Week, and all over BuzzFeed, you can find articles, videos, vines, etc. You know, literally everything. We do it all um, about mental health. And obviously, we talk about this kind of stuff on our show. Mm-hmm. So we are very excited for today's show to be mental health themed, focused, like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so today on the show, we have Aparna Nanchurla. She's a hilarious comic who manages to make depression funny, which I have not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> And then also we're going to talk with uh, BuzzFeed writer Ariana Rebellini about therapy and how to start and how overwhelming everything is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's get on with the show. We talk a lot about mental health on the show, but... Sometimes I feel like there's not enough like practical advice on the internet about how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So me and my uh, friend, fellow uh, senior editor at BuzzFeed, Ariana Rebellini, wrote a little beginner's guide to starting therapy, and we have her here on the show to talk about it. Hey, girl. What up? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, expertise from like, you know, almost a decade of <laughs> just nice. trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Finding a therapist is overwhelming, and especially if you need a therapist. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it's like a weird catch-22 where it'll never happen. Right. (laughs) Like, all of the phone calls you have to make, and before you can even make a phone call, you have to, like, find the numbers, and you have to, like, go do the Googles, and you're like, you know what? I'm stressed out. I'm going to go lay down and go to sleep, which is what I did for many years. Yes. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So what are some practical first steps? How do you even find a therapist? Where do you start? I mean, the internet is a great place to start. If you have health insurance, the nice thing is that you can go to their website and be like, all right, let's knock out all the people who don't take my insurance and Mm -hmm. start with that because I don't feel like spending, you know, $300 every 45 minutes (laughs) that I meet with them. Also, uh, if you just search for psychology institutes in your area, your city, um, it's going to be, you know, people who are still in their training, like former students, and they're really eager, they're young, um, and usually pretty cheap, which is a good Plus, it's like hairstylist in training, right? It's like a hair school. Oh yeah, gosh, they're like eager for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a matter of trial and error, which is like the most important thing because it's so easy to feel defeated. Like you go and you're like, oh, that didn't work. I guess I'll stick with it, or I never mind. I'm not going to do this. And so it's important to realize that it's not always going to be immediately good, and mm. you can just keep trying. It's not even an issue of like, oh, I went to this therapist and he's bad. Like, maybe you just get bad feelings for him or you just don't, like, get along. That's what happened to me with my first, like, my very first ever therapist. I was like, this dude is a dick. I'm not talking <laughs> to him anymore. I once had a therapist who I saw three times, and then, I mean, I've talked about this, but I have a background in eating disorders, and I it came up and she said, oh, huh, you don't look like someone who oh, had an eating wow, disorder. Ma'am. Okay, bye. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, this, okay, yeah, this yeah. is our professional. So right. it's not always going to be great, uh, yeah. but you just got to keep calling new ones. And another thing that I would like to urge people to remember is that if you go to a therapist, if you go to two therapists, maybe even three or four, and like it's not a fit for you, like 
I would imagine that it would be very easy to be like, well, I'm just fucked up and like unfixable and broken. Like mm. it's important to remember that this is literally how it works. You know, you have to try out some. And if, if you don't find a good fit right away, it's not a reflection of you. It's just personality differences. And that's it. So there's a lot of things to be discouraged about in the search for a therapist. But please know that most of them are completely normal. <laughs> Word. These are normal problems. <laughs> yeah. But very frustrating. Yeah. So if you've never been to therapy before, what like I imagine you might think it's more like you're lying down on someone's couch talking about your day for 45 minutes <laughs> and paying a thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> what is therapy actually like? Are there different types? What should people be like looking for in the actual experience? Yeah. Um, well, usually the first session is going to be longer. Um, it's kind of like your introduction. Getting and, to know you phase. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is a lot of like you as the patient talking, mm. um, which some people are kind of thrown off by and they're looking for advice, but that's not necessarily how the rest of the sessions are going to go. But it's like, you're just digging in, you know, you got to get into like why you're there and kind of about your past. If you've taken any medication, what's going on there? Have you ever actually physically laid on the couch? <laughs> because I mean, that's the image that we have of like a therapy session, right? Like yeah. you're laying on the, like this fainting couch. One person offered that to me and I was like, that seems like extra. Yeah. yeah. But I actually kind of think I should have done it. <laughs> Why? My least favorite part of therapy is eye contact. Mm -hmm. Yes. My least favorite part of most conversations is yeah. eye contact. <laughs> so the lying down part prevents the like eye contact thing mm -hmm. so you can just like close your eyes and talk yeah or look up and talk it seems so simple but that changes a lot for me yeah, yeah. actually like a funny little tidbit is the last person i was seeing she practices kind of like psychoanalytic therapy which is like we could talk more about but i had never experienced that and she had the couch in her room and i one day was like what's the deal with the couch? <laughs> like, do people use it? Like, do I have to ask to use it? And of course she was like, that's so interesting. Why do you think you're asking me about the couch? Ma'am. Um, yeah, the it's like, no, come on, what's the answer? Right. And she said basically that. She was like, it's for if you want to like dive really deeply in, like you're coming multiple times a week mm -hmm. and you want to just like not look at me, mm -hmm. close your eyes and it, it kind of like disengages you from the actual therapist. So yeah. it, you can kind of just like be more in yourself. Mm. So my, the therapist that I ended up like sticking with was this very tiny lady with a very worried face. And so, like, <laughs> as I was, like, sitting and talking to her, like, she would, like, frown her face up. And it wasn't because, like, she was, like, alarmed. It's just the way her face was. And so, like, I would, like, haunt me, like, is, did I say something wrong? Mm -hmm. Is Am I awful? Am I terrible? Am I going to die? <laughs> She's like, no, 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 ignore me. I'm like, but you, you're looking at me. Like, what am I supposed to do? Anyway. No, it's the worst part. Like, you're yeah. just literally staring at each other. And yeah. I'm, like, looking up at the ceiling. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Fiddling my thumb. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, are they, like, thinking that I'm nervous because I'm fiddling? It's, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So yeah, many. Like, what do I do so with many... my eyes? With right. My hands? What do I usually do with my eyes when I'm talking with someone? <laughs> so feel free to ask for the couch, I guess. Yeah. So you say it's, like, a shopping period. Where, but what are the things you should actually, like, be looking for? How do you narrow down your options? How do you know one was good and one was not? It's like a hard thing because I'm still I mean, I think so much of it is vibe like and just like, do you feel yeah. comfortable talking to them? Do you want someone who talks a lot or gives advice? Because I think that's a really big thing. Yeah. Because I get anxious when I'm doing all the talking and then I'm like, absolutely I'm like, oh, God, they think I'm so soft. You're in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of an instinctual thing. And then, of course, there's like, you know, the extremes where if you feel uncomfortable or if you feel like they're judging you or if you think, you know, I've heard things where people say, 
you know, we're writers and, or and editors, and someone was like, my therapist asked me to like edit something they had written. <gasps> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So it's like these boundaries that you would think okay, people wouldn't cross. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's but crazy. they do. I remember the first therapist I sought out was in college, and I specifically sought out the one black woman because I was like, she'll get me. <laughs> right. But I hated her. <laughs> what? Why did you hate her? She was, I don't know how else to describe her. She was an aggressive note taker. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, I always assumed she was furiously judging me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also just the, the like actual volume of her writing <laughs> was scratching. Like, incredibly irritating to me. I was like, you know what? I'll take a white woman over this. <laughs> but that is something. I mean, some people, a lot of people talk about identity or, you know, specialties. Of course, if you're going for like eating disorders or, you know, PTSD, you can find people who specialize in that. I didn't know you could specifically look out for like a, a black therapist yeah. or mm-hmm. someone who specializes in like LGBT things or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've only ever gone to women and I don't think it was I a conscious thought, but like, go to men. yeah, but like now that I've thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I realize, yeah, I, I don't only feel comfortable. Like it's like yeah. I'm talking about eating disorder stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about if you don't have insurance? Oh yeah, that's, that makes it harder. Yeah. <sighs> we actually just got a question about this and I was like, I, I, I don't know. You know, if you're in college, that is a good thing because you have the, mental health like your health facilities there which yeah, is good definitely take advantage of that yeah college. definitely take advantage of that i mean i think that the cheapest thing to do would be to go to like those schools or the institutes because they're more likely or community centers sometimes yeah. they'll have mm-hmm. things that said not every place is new york and not every person is charging like 250 dollars per mm-hmm. session yeah. and most people will offer sliding scales and make it a little more reasonable but it's going to cost you. Absolutely. Yeah. When I moved back to Louisville from Philly, which is where I found the therapist that I was seeing for a while, my anxiety was like, surprise, bitch. <laughs> back. You thought you left me in Philly. Nah. Thought you saw the last of me. <laughs> right. But I didn't have insurance because I didn't have a job, which was one of the reasons that I was like freaking out. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. So I went to a women's center. I called him and I was like, listen, I don't know if you guys can help me, but I need someone to talk to. I don't have any money or any insurance. Can you help? And they had me come in and talk to a counselor who was not very helpful, but she Mm. was like, you know, I can do some work with you to try to like find somebody else because there are like a lot of volunteer organizations and stuff that I just didn't know about. And thankfully I found a job and got insurance before we had to like do anything else. But I say all that to say that like that's another thing that you can like look into via Google is like women's centers if you're a woman, yeah. even if you're not a woman. I'm mm-hmm. sure that you like know family that centers, like, women's centers. Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere that like specializes in helping out people with low income or yeah, no insurance. Right. They always have resources for how to refer you to mental health things. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like something that made me very nervous was like, yeah, I don't know what to ask for when I call these people. And it's OK to be like, I don't know what I'm asking for. I yeah. don't know where to start. Can you help? Yeah. So you can also check out Mental Health America, which has a helpful page of resources for finding low cost options and uh, Patient Advocate Foundation. And then there's also JedFoundation.org, which is specifically for college and university students. Um. I think my number one piece of advice for someone finding therapy is, one, it will be frustrating and overwhelming. Two, get a buddy. Yeah. Mm. The number one thing you can do for a friend who is struggling is help them make the therapy appointment. Yes. It is incredibly, insurmountably hard Mm -hmm. to make the first call, the first email, whatever it is, the first anything, the first move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And because the logic of whatever they're going through is going to tell them it's them that's 
like failing instead of the mental health system Mm -hmm. (laughs) the best way to be a friend or a supportive person in that moment is like literally take the computer from them be like no i'm gonna make you an appointment my one other piece of advice though is do not expect the therapist to solve everything Mm -hmm. especially i think it is frustrating when you're like all right everybody keeps telling me i need therapy this is the one resource i need and then you have your first experience and it's not great and then you can just be like well therapy's not for me i can't be solved yeah you're not gonna find like one person who's gonna be able to solve your life it's yeah. just going to be a professional who can help like guide you some through some things. Yeah. You'll definitely have to do work. You know, there are some therapists who will give you homework, like uh-huh. journal your thoughts. And there is definitely like a work aspect of it where you have to do yeah. part of it. I loved that part. Oh, yeah, like my you. therapist would be like, okay, what I want you to do today, I want you to think of a friend because like I had horrible social anxiety for a long time. And like I hated the telephone. I hated talking to people on the phone. She was like, here's your homework. Think of a friend that you would like to talk to write down three questions that you would ask them if you called them. I was like, do I have to call? She was like, nope, just write down the questions. So I'm like, I can do that. I went home, <laughs> I wrote down my questions. I was like, hell yeah, look at me being almost ready to call somebody. You know? And <laughs> so then like close. a couple weeks later, like I made a phone call and had a conversation. It was awesome. And I just felt so accomplished and like I could just like do anything in the world. So so this category of therapy is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes. It focuses a lot on like specific activities or um, homework things, tasks. The other types we we were describing is psychoanalytic like practice, mm-hmm. meaning sitting on the couch and talking yeah. about shit. And it's okay to ask people like, "Can you give me homework?" Or yeah. "I need this to like." You are paying for this, <laughs> right? They, <laughs> they work ask for, for you. They work for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make ask them for work. what you need or like what you think would be helpful for you. That's yeah. like the most. That was a groundbreaking thing for me to realize was like, oh, I'm paying for this. Like, I'm not doing them a favor. Like, this is not, you know, like, (laughs) this is something that is a service that I am paying for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what what's the deal with medication with the pills? I am passionately in love with my medicine. Oh, my God. I started (laughs) taking an anti-anxiety pill some years ago, and I literally don't recognize myself today versus the person that I was. Mm. I always feel kind of nervous about like singing the praises of medicine because it's not for everybody Mm. you know not every medicine will affect everybody the same and we definitely live in a world where pharmaceuticals uh (laughs) push that on you yes and on your doctor absolutely uh, in wild and fucked up ways yeah one of the toughest things for me about going to seek out a a medication was just like feeling like i was broken and weak and just like unfixable and crazy because like i realized that like when i was little when like somebody was like being weird or acting silly. It's like, oh, did you take your crazy pills? You didn't have your crazy pills today. So, like, there's a very close link between, like, a medicine that, like, fixes a chemical imbalance in your brain and, like, being insane and needing a straitjacket. Mm-hmm. So the hardest thing for me was, like, somehow overcoming those stigmas and just being like, listen, if I had the flu, I wouldn't try to, like, pray it away. I would go get some NyQuil or DayQuil or whatever. Like therapy, uh, what I've learned about medication is it's not going to solve everything Mm -hmm. and that it will take some time and you have to shop around, (laughs) which is so frustrating for you and your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The side effects especially. Well, it's like, can I get like a month off every time I try a new medication, (laughs) please? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a frustrating journey. Another tough thing that I go through almost like regularly, like clockwork is so like once I found my medicine and I was just like feeling so freaking good. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I don't oh, need it anymore. This is oh yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. And so then I stopped taking it. And then two weeks later, I'm like, hey, I haven't left my house <laughs> in two weeks. Like, I wonder what the why. Hell is it? Yeah. <laughs> One thing I struggle with is kind of 
impatience and also this like goal-oriented way of looking at therapy and medication and that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy for how long and, and then like how long is going to take me to be fixed mm-hmm. and like I'm going to take medication and when do I get off of it? And one thing I'm dealing with currently is understanding that like, oh, maybe I it will be forever and maybe I t- go to a therapist, you know, every other week forever and that's yeah. fine and it's just like a nice thing that I do and medication helps me and it's I think it's going down it'll distract you from what you're working with to be like well when's it done when am I yeah. fixed you know yeah mm-hmm. Fi- kind of figure out your relationship to the word recovery yeah yeah definitely in recovery recovered some people have like a hard time with the past tense about that mm-hmm. that's a real thing yeah oh my god Ariana thank you so much for stopping by yes. thank you for having me and like giving us all these tips. <laughs> So if you want to follow more of Ariana's work, you can find her at BuzzFeed.com slash Ariana Rebellini. That's A-R-I-A-N-N-A-R-E-B-O-L-I-N-I. The piece we're referencing is called A Beginner's Guide to Starting Therapy, where we list out all these steps. Another one of my favorite essays of Ariana's is talking to my mother about our bulimia, a conversation she had with her mom in a very frank and honest way, which I, I... goals (laughs) (laughs) goals but it's uh it's really moving and you you can follow all her work about mental health and other things that she likes harry styles (laughs) harry styles harry styles mental health that's it (laughs) and where can the people find you on twitter uh at ariana rebellini and you can find all of mental health week content on buzzfeed at buzzfeed.com slash mental health week dope thank you so much thank you thank you for having me So today we're welcoming the hilarious comedian Aparna Nanchurla to the studio. She's a stand-up comic and a writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She wrote on Totally Bias with W. Kamau Bell, and she's basically been on like every comedian to watch list for the last year. She has a fire Twitter. Oh my god, her Twitter is Aparnapkin, which is genius. Uh, welcome to another round, Aparna. Yay! Thank you. Yay! What up? What up? What's up i'm happy to be here we are so happy to have you so we like to uh we like to start every show by asking everyone what do you do and why oh that's a good question so i would say what i do is i'm a comedian so i muse about the world (laughs) try to make it funny and why i think because honestly i feel like the way i see things is Just how I see things. And I only learned like when I was older that it was like in a funny way. Hmm. So you were slaying and you didn't even know it. I didn't even know. I didn't have an audience. (laughs) I didn't have an audience. Um, You often start with a joke about how you're surprised you're a comedian too. What do you mean by that? I'm like a small Indian American woman Mm -hmm. and there's like not a lot of us in comedy yet. You Um, right yet? (laughs) Yet. Uh, Sometimes like when I get on stage, I like don't look like what people expect to see, at least when I was starting out, Mm -hmm. I would say more. So I think I just wanted to address that sort of weird unstated confusion in the audience (laughs) so I could like move on to what I actually wanted to talk about rather Mm. than because sometimes if you don't address it they're just like when's she gonna start talking about the things I noticed about her right away and Mm. then I it's kind of way to me like yeah 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 I know but now (laughs) I want to talk about something else 
Word. Yeah. That's a, such a useful like intro to yourself. Yeah, without having to like really be like, like, all right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the way that um, Eminem in what? Eight Mile. <laughs> I know. I'm like would what? start his rap. So like, yeah, I'm white. Get it out the way. I'm still going <laughs> rap. That is true. Blah blah. blah. It's you are Eminem in the situation. <laughs> you are. You are. And I feel like Eminem. he stopped doing it later. It's more like when you start. Yeah, you, when you're you like have to sort of just establish yourself. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. So let's back up a little. You grew up in the the DMV. Area. Area, I did. The suburbs of DC. I am also a person who lived there. Ah. <laughs> what was your like uh, your relationship to your Indian identity? I think it was like what is common in a lot of immigrant children, which is that you're you feel a little bit like pulled in two directions, and you sometimes had to like decide where the line was. Like I feel like some kids are, were very comfortable like being like I'm gonna perform this like cultural thing at my school and then other people's like two identities very separate mm. no overlap and I feel like that was more me until like high school and then I felt like more comfortable sort of blending in different environments mm. when did you realize that people thought you were funny see I feel like it was like when I was in high school mm -hmm. was when I sort of like became like sort of embraced that part of my personality where I would like joke around with people and then they would be like oh you're like kind of like you see the world in a funny way mm -hmm. what did you joke about mm, just like you know like very like kind of like the the understated like low-key persona like that's just like who I am where I like <laughs> like being on the sidelines and sort of like commenting on things mm -hmm. and sort of like in a sort of under my breath way so I think it was just those like quiet asides that people would be like oh that's really funny what you said but but it was like at first they had to hear them for them to be like that was funny <laughs> so it was like a gradual process but Growing up, uh, like before that, I was like very shy and stuff, and I would just like write in journals. So it was all very self-contained. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How would you describe your comedy when you're starting out? Especially, like, what did you think was your voice? What did you think you brought? Someone told me when I first started stand up, they were like, "Oh, that's interesting. Like, you do stand up like someone who's never seen stand up before," which, <laughs> which like sounds like. A backhanded compliment, but I th they meant it in like a very genuine way where they mm. were just like, you really have your own take on it. Like mm. you kind of just do it in your own way. <laughs> this isn't easy for me to say, but I do have some white friends. <laughs> it happens. It's kind of unavoidable in this economy. <laughs> Sometimes I'll make a mistake, though, when one of my white friends apologizes to me. I'll assume it's for imperialism on some level. <laughs> I know, it's totally my issue. Uh, but it does lead to some weird situations. Like recently, one of these so-called friends returned a DVD to me late. And she was like, hey, Aparna, here's your copy of Hotel for Dogs. Sorry about the delay. And then I was just like... And <laughs> and she was like, I'm pretty sure it's just the DVD. And I was like, no, remember your people. <laughs> My people. <laughs> and she was like, this again. <laughs> and I was like, history's wounds never heal. 
She was like, we're at a yogurt land. <laughs> and I was like, it used to be my yogurt land. <laughs> and she was like, that's the wrong kind of Indian. I mean, part of it was true in that, like, I didn't grow up watching a lot of comedy, so I was sort of just doing what I thought stand-up was. <laughs> so why did you start? Just kind of on a whim. Like, I was, you know, I had one of those sort of Christ existential college crises where I was like, oh, I don't... <laughs> I'm familiar. No, <laughs> I, had three of those. I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I, like, sort of went through this period where I was like, I'm just going to try a bunch of random things because I, like... Going the, like, expected path hasn't really generated any answers. So mm. I was like, I'll just try random stuff. And what other things did you try? I'm sorry. Some of them were not that exciting, like working at the mall. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not, not a fan. <laughs> not for me. Um, but, like, I took, like, a semester off from school and stuff. So I was, mm. like, really just, like, I need to take a break. And you have to find yourself. Stuff. Why did you take a break? The more serious side of that was, like, you know, depression and, like, and having like some issues around eating, but w which was really sort of just tied more to like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Mm. So I think I needed a break for multiple reasons, but it did give me a chance to sort of be like, I was like, so on this like very typical path that a lot of suburban kids are. And then I was like, no, I'm just gonna step outside of that world and see what what lands. So how the hell do you go from like, depression mm -hmm. to doing stand-up mm. like i feel like that's the last thing a depressed person would. <laughs> but it was do. like after i was like uh, sort of started going to therapy mm. and like started taking medication and stuff mm. that i was like sort of in that honeymoon phase of like <laughs> yeah. being on antidepressants where it's like oh my god it's like putting on like happy glasses you know yo like, that that honeymoon phase is so real I it's know. amazing right like that you can't you only get it once. <laughs> <laughs> do you find <laughs> Do you find that stand up helps you in like your self care and like your therapy? Is it therapeutic I for you? I think it goes two ways for me. Like I, I feel like some people are like, oh yeah, like comedy is how I get it all out. But I feel like I have more of a love hate relationship <laughs> with it, where it's like I love I love doing it, but then I also there's a lot of like anxiety around it and like expectations and like pressure so it's like one of those things where it's like can't live with it can't live without it mm. yeah that's what i mean though like how i feel like i know a lot of stand-up comedians talk about being depressed yeah but it's still genuinely surprising to me that like getting up on a stage being confident in a room full of people trusting that what you're saying is valuable and worth hearing right like and that's just throwing yourself into all that, that you anxiety. cannot do when you're when you're dealing with like anxiety or depression, mm. how do you never. do it? I think it's, I, I mean, I also hear other performers, like I feel like actors too will be like, they struggle with that. And I think it is just like that thing of like when you're on stage, you're kind of like in, you kind of step a little bit outside of yourself. I think mm. with stand up, it's harder to see that because it feels like the person essentially just themselves, but you're still like in this very controlled environment. And I think for me as like a person who's generally anxious, around people like I I actually find stand-up a little bit more easy to navigate because you're in such a more controlled position than like yeah, if you're at true. a party or something yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
One of the things that really strikes me about your comedy, I, the first time I saw you mm-hmm. perform, you were opening for Rob Delaney. Oh, that was the first time? That's yeah. So it was at Caroline's yeah. um, in New York. I was just like, oh my God, she makes jokes about depression. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> How do you make depression funny? I don't know. I think, I mean, I think for me, a big influence in that was like someone like Maria Bamford, where mm. she's like so open about her struggles with like mental illness and everything around that, that it just made it seem like, oh, well, then anyone should be able to talk about it. Like she's been through so much and she's able to make mm. it funny. Like I can talk about just like, <laughs> I don't know, my Wednesday slump. <laughs> you, yeah, you tweeted, um, wherever my depression is right now, I hope it's happy. <laughs> Your Twitter is amazing. It is so also, amazing. Uh, there should be a bouncer for thoughts for your brain. Affirmations drink free. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I forgot about that. Your one. tweets are fire. <laughs> so good. Also, another one. I'm sorry. I'm just reading your tweets to just you. Read the entire timeline. Um, isn't therapy just a podcast off the record? <laughs> oh, but it is. That's so fire. <laughs> Those would be the most amazing bars. Bars. <laughs> Can I just carry you guys around in my pocket? Yes. You can tell Too me I'm fire. <laughs> Also, will the real imposter syndrome please stand up? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that one didn't do that well, but I was like, I love That's it. So good. <laughs> How do you deal with something like imposter syndrome? I think, I mean, for me, honestly, that I feel like anytime I've gotten a job, I always get that immediately of that sense oh of like, gosh. this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> my entire first two months at BuzzFeed, I was just like, yeah. eventually somebody's going to figure out that I'm shit. And they're going to be like, oh, you have to go back home <laughs> I know. to Kentucky. Yeah. And I honestly sometimes wonder is like, is it, does it happen to like fall on women more that because i often feel like guys it's like you just hand them something and they're just like white men especially i've always had this Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you just figured out that i have it but i've always had it um whereas i'm always like this was a mistake (laughs) you said once in an interview um about performing you said even though it's still like a version of yourself it feels like i'm this other persona a little bit yeah tell us about this other persona well, I Who is think... your Sasha Fierce? Yes. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> the most in- introverted Sasha Fierce. Um, <laughs> Sasha reading a book yeah, <laughs> on Tumblr. Sasha hanging um, out. <laughs> all stand-ups, like I think, or at least the ones who are just essentially being themselves on stage and like not a distinct character or like an alter- alternate persona, like you are trying to just move towards like really just being yourself on stage the most you can. But I think anytime you step on stage, you are like, it is like a slightly heightened version of whoever you are because you Mm. are performing. Even if it's like you being really awkward and like stiff, like that's still like heightened from like what you are in real life. So I think in that sense, it's never exactly you. It's like a, a slightly tweaked up version, but when you're starting, at least, a lot of that is really just throwing pain at the wall and mm. just, like, getting used to being on stage. Like, how do you know you're getting better? Sometimes you don't. I think it's, like, aging where you can't really, you know, you can't see it. You can't see it, but you have to, like, have faith. Not that people have faith that they're aging, but, you know, you have to, like, no, just believe that you're, like, getting better. Mm. Um, so you moved to L.A.? 
Yes. Doing a bunch of shows in LA. Yeah. Then W. Kamau Bell's show. Yes. That was, totally yeah. Totally biased happens. How? Yeah. That happened because, well, I was lucky in that I knew already a bunch of people worked on the show. I sort of knew Kamau when it started. I think we had met maybe once before, but I didn't know him as well as like I knew some of the other writers. Mm. Um, so I think I, I sort of had a foot in the door that way of like people were able to vouch for me, but then their one of their EPs saw me at a show and then liked my stand-up and was like, oh, do you want to submit to the show? And I think I submitted once and then didn't get it. And then they asked me to resubmit and then I got it that time. Mm. Yeah. What, do you, what, do you, what were you submitting? Like a packet? Yeah. It's always usually for these like talk shows, it's always just like a spec packet of like all their different segments. They'll just ask you to like write an example. That's a really great first writer's room. I know. What was it like? And a, kind of like an unusual one because yeah. very unlike any other writers. Way browner than <laughs> the browner. rest of cable television. <laughs> Earlier today, I watched the conversation between Lindy West and a white dude whose name I can't remember. I'm totally biased. Oh, Jim Norton? Jim Norton. Yes. There you go. There you go. It was amazing. What was it, it about? It was fantastic. So the conversation they were having were, it was about rape jokes. And Lindy West, who at the time wrote for Jezebel, is basically like, you know, stop telling rape jokes. It's pretty fucked up. And Jim Norton's position was basically like, you know, well, it's comedy. You can't really censor what a comic does. It's art, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was a really, really interesting and compelling yeah. interview. Um, and there was a part where W. Kamal Bell says, quote, are comedy clubs inherently hostile environments for women? And Lindy responds, they are dark basements full of angry men. So on a fundamental level, it's not an awesome place to be. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? I have had that experience, but I also have sort of carved out a career path where I don't perform in comedy clubs as much for that mm. reason. So I feel like I've almost like self-selected myself out of You've transcended. How do you do that? I mean, at first it's hard because you sort of ha have to just do the gigs that you're offered. But I think, and especially with just like now, there's such a big independent comedy scene outside of those places, like comedy clubs, that it's like easier to be like, oh, well, I can still fill up all my nights with shows and not have to be in these places. And I guess the argument against it would be that clubs offer paid spots and a lot of these other shows are free um, and you're not getting paid. And that's legitimate. But I think for me, I'm like, which, where am I and the audience getting more mm. out of the experience? And I'm like, even if I'm getting paid, if like they're not liking it and I'm not liking it, like who is really benefiting from right. this? I feel like older comics looks, look down on that because they're like, oh, you didn't have to... Yeah, I think you weren't in the trenches yeah, with us. Like, All right, calm down. But it's also <laughs> that those clubs had a very, I feel like often have a very specific social ladder of moving up where you just like, you know, at first you're just hanging out there and then you get thrown a spot and then they like you. So then you work your way up. So there's like a very specific hierarchy to it. So mm -hmm. I think there is like a little bit of ego around like, well, why didn't you have to do this? Like yeah. we all did it. Do you have any comedy pet peeves? I mean, I think one thing that I always find kind of strange is like when people don't want to take any accountability for what they're saying. <laughs> Go on. It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I understand free speech, but I'm like, I don't understand the idea that you're like 
Yeah, I'm allowed to say anything I want, and no one is allowed to have an emotional response. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like laughter so... is an emotional response, <laughs> right? So, like, it feels very like uh, undermining your own point that count. Like comedy is powerful; it reaches people. Yeah, but not when it's criticizing me. Right? <laughs> it doesn't. It like really confuse. Like I feel like I feel very conflicted sometimes because I'm like, do I just need to have a thicker skin and not? have such a like be so sensitive but then i'm like but that you're right it like doesn't it contradicts what art is about yeah to be you like you can only upset. have this very specific reaction to right. everything i say mm-hmm. it's like your whole point is you're up there getting different responses from us well, here's one of them yeah <laughs> and one of them is that you suck <laughs> and also then it's that idea it's like well you don't like it then don't go to comedy club but then that's kind of why i don't like comedy clubs because mm. i feel like they have that attitude absolutely where it's like this frat house mentality that's like if you can't if you can't hack it get out and it's like that's you just made these people you guys pay 55 <laughs> you just made these people pay like 55 dollars like mm. you can't be like what's your problem <laughs> Okay, one more question about like feminism and yeah. social justice. You did this really great interview that I love with weirdsister.com. Oh, it's a great. You story. were asked about like the role and the place of social justice mm. and like feminism in your art, your craft. And you said, quote, I don't feel like I'm as explicit about it a lot of times, but there are guidelines I always keep in mind as I'm writing and I try to honor them as much as I can. What are those guidelines? Especially like now writing for a late night show, like sometimes your monologue jokes are just like more... You know, they're written for like, in my case, like Seth Meyers, but it's like a lot of times like a male host. Mm. And so they... they <laughs> All times but one, Samantha B. <laughs> I know. Or I guess Chelsea Handler. Oh, yeah. But, now off the air. But more often than not. And so I think you're, you're sort of like your voice in that sense. You can't be as explicitly like coming from a woman's point of view. So like, mm-hmm. I f- like feel like when I'm writing for myself, I'm like, well, I want to just make my point of view the default because I'm just talking about my experience. Whereas sometimes I feel like in stand-up, like people will sort of try to move it more gen move it more towards the middle so like men can relate to it just mm-hmm. as well. But I feel like we're expected to relate to male stuff like, like it's without, universal. Yeah. Like it's so the I'm norm. Like, why 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 can't like, I why just can't you talk see about humanity in my, yeah. right. my life? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't need to always like explain everything mm. about being a woman. All right, let's take a quick break and get some refills and we'll be right back. Refill time. Can I get a refill? Thank you. Support for another round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Support for another round comes from Squarespace. With Squarespace, sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level, and there's absolutely no coding required. It's a totally stress-free experience, unlike your commute. Which brings us to this week's episode of Transportation Meditation. For all of you who listen in the car, on the subway, or on the bus. Breathing in, you come to terms with the Showtime kids breakdancing in front of you, nearly kicking you in the face. Breathing out, you accept that some men will never realize how rude manspreading is. Breathing in, you brace yourself as street harassers become commute harassers. (sighs) Breathing out, you are thankful that you didn't forget your headphones today. 
Breathing in, you sigh wearily at the huge group of preschoolers that just boarded your car. Breathing out, you summon tolerance for those people who hog an entire pole with their bodies. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. The site is intuitive and the tools are easy to use. And if you sign up for a year, you get a completely free domain. When you sign up, make sure to use the offer code another round to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So we have a, approximately 8,000 more questions for you. But we don't want to keep you here for the next three weeks because I'm sure you have like a life and appointments and stuff. So we're going to go to our rapid fire questions segment, which is actually not rapid fire at all. <laughs> okay. If you're not feeling rapid fire, it's called pew, 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 pew. Air Yay. guns, rapid fire. These are, these are finger guns. <laughs> When's the last time that you felt surprised by yourself? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think sometimes I have trouble like speaking up in groups and I feel like. I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm like, this is something I want to work on and change. And sometimes I found a trick is like saying the thing before I can stop myself, like with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like surprising yourself where it's like, as soon as I feel the thought that's like, don't say anything, I just like blurt it out. Uh Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's always like a small surprise. That sounds like a fantastic strategy. I know. What is the worst date you've ever been on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> tell us about the date. Um, well, it was like someone I met over Facebook or I didn't meet them. They just had seen me at a show and then they sent me a message that was like, oh, I saw you at a show like we should go on a date. And then I just I mean, I normally don't, you know, respond to that. That oh my God, easily, do you respond but... to your groupies? <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. I feel like women should have a lot more groupies. I know, and I also agree. it's rare. Like women don't get a lot of. I found Listen. as a comedian, don't get a lot. Really? Of... Wait, you can see the difference? Yeah, and I don't just mean speaking from my own experience. I mean talking to other female comics. It's like very commonly known that like guys all the time get approached after shows, and women don't. What? I'm outraged. I'm fed up. <laughs> We don't I have a single groupie. And then someone told me that happens in music too, which what? I think is insane. Uh, not that m- female musicians don't have groupies, but just that they get approached so much less. Mm. Like it's almost like they're then put on some pedestal and like you're not someone I can actually talk to. We need to change this. Tell us. Carry this. on. Carry on. Oh, the okay. Story. So we, yeah. So we went on a date and we didn't have a lot in common. And then. And then he basically, like, he took the middle of the date to be like, oh, I'm actually really funny. I could be a comedian. Oh, <laughs> no. I know. And I was like. Had he made you laugh at, at any point before that? N- not really. Like, not in That's a, a real. That's a no. That's a no. <laughs> I'm shaking my no, head No, but I mean, not in a real right way, now. but definitely in the way of, like, as a woman how you're cute to know when to laugh that's so funny yeah you're like oh you think you're being funny right now you're trying i'm gonna be generous right now but i could tell he was like that he was like the funny one in his friend group so his friends were trash yeah his friends were awful men really overestimate how funny they are they overestimate how everything they are but yeah, so he said that, and then I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. And then like, it was at, towards the end of the date, like I feel like we had really run out of everything to talk about. But he was just like, oh, yeah, something you should know. I only friended you on Facebook because you're an Indian comedian. Like he was also Indian. And he was what, like. What does that mean? Well, what do you mean only? I know. And then he was like, yeah, I didn't. 
actually think you're that funny. <gasps> oh! <laughs> and then, and then he was like, "That was a joke." No. Oh my god! Get out! <laughs> Leave, sir. Good day. Good day, sir. And I sir. was like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh I was so. Gosh. I think I have like reached the end of my like reaction cycle. <laughs> uh, and then, and then he reached across the table and forced my mouth into a smile. <gasps> he would have got kicked directly in the balls. Like I was directly. So, like, but is... it was like one of those things where you're like so confused about what's happening i like couldn't react because uh, i was like is this happening so it wasn't that he told you hey woman you should smile it's right. that he physically <laughs> forced <laughs> you oh across the table but i think it was I'm almost so like he out. was like the ship is already sinking i'm just gonna <laughs> set not? it on fire <laughs> oh my god <laughs> why not i'm very excited about this next question you can pretty much guarantee that the weirdest question during PVP came from brain. me. So before I ask that, because I yeah. can I can tailor this question to you specifically. Okay. Um, are you familiar with R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet saga? Yes, but I wouldn't say like... <laughs> Well-versed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not fair. fluent in it. That's fair. You get the reference. That's all I need. Okay. That's a healthy amount to be fluent in. It's too much. Not. It's too much. Okay. So... Would you rather have nipples that moved in large circles whenever you told a lie <laughs> or <laughs> tiny mouths on your fingertips <laughs> that constantly sang R. Kelly's oh my Trapped in the Closet? <laughs> Take all the time you need. It's a tough question. It's a tough question. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You've really outdone yourself, Tracy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you mean, I much. would. I guess my question is like <laughs> for the nipple option. Mm-hmm. Like, would like if you were wearing a bra, would people be able to tell if they were moving? I guess it depends on what kind of bra you're wearing. Yeah. If it's like a cheap like jersey bra from Target, then maybe. <laughs> but if right. it's like right. a fancy, right, like well supported, a, yeah, <laughs> then maybe not. Or if it's padded, then maybe not. I don't know. But See, maybe the force feels... of the nipple moving would like make the whole boob. Oh my god. <laughs> Hey, man. Do you remember that video of the woman whose boobs were like, I don't remember what were it was, dolphins? like Jingle Bells or something? They were dolphins? <laughs> no, Heaven, explain this. I'm thinking of a it different thing. Called, like, what jingle, <laughs> jingle boobs or something, and she could move. She could oh, move. So much is happening. <laughs> Everything is happening. Heaven has dolphin boobs going on. <laughs> but she it's could jingle move boobs. her boobs independently. Wait, I can do other. that. Like flex them? Yeah, like peck. <laughs> like the guy the way <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have admitted that aloud. I, I feel like that's pretty normal. I gotta do push ups. I can like do it a little but, bit. But like visibly move them? Yeah. Will you do it right now? No. <laughs> but see, like, isn't that then the same thing as I guess no. it's not the no, same That is like the, the worst version of like... Pinocchio. <laughs> It's like, what if instead of his nose growing, his his nipples nipples moved in a circle? So if your nipples grew, that would be terrible, too. I feel like the best bras that would hide your large nipple circles (laughs) would be really expensive. Just for the record. (laughs) Just consider this as you make your decision. But if even if you wore gloves, you would still have to hear those songs. Right. It would just be muffled. (laughs) 
guy would have to go with the nipples. Okay. You I could just never tell a lie. Something about the tiny mouth. Yeah, that's really creepy. I feel like that oh. would like make me nauseous if I saw like little oh, mouths on my fingertips. Oh my God. I know. Okay, anyways, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you for entertaining me. Yeah. Um, you tweet a lot about snacks. Yes. What are your top three snacks? Go. Oh man. I'm Snacky Robinson. <laughs> I've always really been into trail mix. What? I know because <laughs> you sorry. Not do I'm not mad at it, but top three. Mm. Oh right, no, it's it's not a favorite choice, <laughs> but I have to. I I don't mean to insult your snack game. No, carry just, on. I think it's because you can really <laughs> customize it. Like you could really. That's true. You, you can, can really just be a mix? lot of M and M's and there one M and M's trail mix. I just discovered that I don't know what trail mix is. There's M and M's in trail mix. It can really be anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Trailmix is really a state of mind. <laughs> That's probably why I say that I like it. Because it can really be anything. Okay. Um, so there's Trailmix. Okay. I'm really into these, like, uh, these chips that are, like, snap peas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Guys, I didn't. I'm not answering this question to make sense. Um... <laughs> I don't think I, any of my snack choices are like the mainstream. It's okay. It's a safe, it's a kind of safe space. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what else is a sna- good snack food? I mean, I love a good tortilla chip. Ooh, yes, it's mm. like guacamole. It's the first this is reasonable your thing you said. You have redeemed yourself. <laughs> I forgot that that I don't know why I forgot about chips. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for chopping it up with us. This is so fun. Where can the people find your work? People can find me on the internet. I have uh, my website is just aparnacomedy.com. It's one word. And then that has links to like my Twitter and everything, but my Twitter handle is aparnapkin. And that fire tweets. Which is amazing. fire. fire. <laughs> 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 those are the <laughs> best places. Yes, and awesome. you're like in every city always doing shows, so mm. look out for that. Frequently. Yeah. And you have a <laughs> you have a comedy album dropping. I do. In January? Yes. Your first comedy album. Congrats. Yes. Congrats. Yay. So look out for that as well. Yo, like remember us when you hit the big time. Me too. <laughs> when you hit the bigger time. Yeah, the you're bigger already, time. Like, yeah, yes. you're on everyone's radar. It's like next year it's going to be yes. the year. I feel yeah. it. I feel it. A partner in Cherla. Thank you so much for Thank coming by. You. Please come by again and drink more bourbon with us. Thank it was you. So fun. But do not bring your snacks. <laughs> I know. My my second rate. <laughs> All right, heaven, it's time to buy a round. Who you buying a round for? As you drink your own round. Sorry, I was trying to make the ice clink. Apparently, it's already gone. <laughs> um, rounds. <laughs> so I am buying a round for Facebook babies. Facebook I don't know babies. how they got a bad rep where people are like, I don't want to see your baby on Facebook. What kind of life are you leading? Why do you not like joy? That is my whole argument. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just like, I've been like, slowly but surely unfriending a lot of people on Facebook just because I'm at a point in my life where I'm like why am I voluntarily doing things I don't Mm -hmm. like you know a little basic reflection Mm -hmm. and the way I've been slowly doing it is like on when it says birthdays (laughs) (laughs) follow people on their birthdays But it's so helpful because it's like if I if I won't even extend you a basic greeting right. on the day of right. your birth, 
over this social media web then situation. Are, then why are we even friends? <laughs> then why are we doing this? Yeah. It's not That's like smart. I hate them. It's right. just like we're, we're just not cool. Mm-hmm. We don't check it on each other's lives. I respect that. I respect so that. I've been slowly just, you know, filtering it out. And I've seen more and more babies. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving it. Aw. I'm living it up. So you mean just like friends who have babies and they put pictures up yeah, of them? Yeah, apparently And not like, like babies that. with their own Facebook page. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two very That's different situations. That's a lot. Situations. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind face. I don't really pay much attention to Facebook babies, I don't think. Why? Well, that's because I'm Facebook friends with a lot of people that I don't have like an investment in. And I'm just like, yeah, oh, it's like, why nice you baby. want updates on a rent? Like, you're strangers now. Yeah. Why would you want updates on a stranger's face? <laughs> <laughs> it means nothing to you. <laughs> Anyways, I want to give a shout out to moms on Facebook. Yay. And people sharing pictures of their babies. Facebook babies. <laughs> yes. Excellent sitcom idea. <laughs> I love it already. Facebook babies. It's just like the social network, but with babies. <laughs> Yo, that'd be the I best movie. I, I would. I'm into it. I'm into it. Aaron Sorkin hit me up. <laughs> so, who are you buying around for, Tracy? I'm so excited to buy this round for the author and illustrator of a web comic called Poorly Drawn Lines. Ooh. So, the author and illustrator's name is Reza Farzmand, and I first found it on Tumblr when I was just like scrolling one night instead of doing whatever adult responsibility I was actually supposed to be tending <laughs> to. Um, Tumblr is great for that. Tumblr is fantastic. <laughs> but the comic is so great because it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like a bear named Ernesto who like lives in outer space. There's just like a, a duck and a cat. And like everything is like sentient talking, like trees and animals and stuff. And it's really hard to share comics via audio, but I'm going to try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So here are three comics that I think really capture, like, the the general essence of, like, the entire comic. So this particular comic, <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> it starts with a panel that says, not all birds sing. And it's just a picture of a bird. Next panel says, some prefer to listen. And then the bird is, like, listen to another bird sing. And so the third panel says, and judge silently. And then above the bird is, like, a little thought bubble that says, this guy is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the bird such an asshole? (laughs) Why? (laughs) And then there's another one. This is a guy standing next to a monster, right? And there's a sign that says, don't feed the monster. And the guy feeds the monster anyway. He gives it an apple. (laughs) And then the monster takes the apple. And then the monster's like, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the last panel, it pans out. And the guy standing in between two signs. One says, do not feed the monster. And the other one says, he is ungrateful. (laughs) (laughs) These are like if you drew comics. These are like if I drew comics. (laughs) Yes. There's another one with like a beetle or something. It's like the beetle is one of the strongest animals in the kingdom or whatever. And then it's like like this beetle. His children are going off to college, but he does not cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so cute. They are hilarious. And like the pictures are just so simple, but like effective and really funny. I pre-ordered the book. Ooh. It's the first book I've ever pre-ordered. And it got to the it oh my got gosh. to my office like last week. I was so excited. I read the entire thing on the way mm. home on the train. It's just so funny. So if you need like a very lighthearted, easy chuckle that like you don't have to think too much about at the end of the day, but it's still like just a very different, weird kind of comedy. I definitely suggest Poorly Drawn Lines. The Tumblr is pdlcomics.tumblr.com. 
the book is out now. The book is also called Poorly Drawn Lines. Everybody should buy it and send him fan mail because he's really, really funny. Boom. Yes. Somehow we have done it again. <laughs> Oh, my God. Thanks for rocking with us, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Shout out to Aparna for coming through. Yes. Hilarious times. Very funny lady. Check her out on Twitter and stuff. Thank you again to our friend and co-worker, Ariana Rebellini, for stopping by and talking with us about therapy and how to do it. How to therapy. Thank you very much. And as a reminder, you can check out all of BuzzFeed's Mental Health Week coverage at BuzzFeed.com slash Mental Health Week. Shout out to the pod squad. Le pod squad in <laughs> Francais. <laughs> oh my God, what is wrong with you? I'm speaking French. <laughs> what was that? French. Don't be mad at me because I oh took my God. half a semester. This podcast was produced by Eleanor Kagan. Yay! Editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss-Berman. Yay! And production help from Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Ah! And the crowd goes wild. Oh my God, I can't believe it's Julia and Meg. <laughs> exactly what the crowd is saying right now <laughs> shout out to Paul at Argo Studios yay Paul That's Paul Ruest excuse Lots of me jazz hands yes. antlers Paul's giving us antlers <laughs> antler jazz hands <laughs> thank you to our in-house musicians Jean Gray you can follow her at Jean Greasy and to Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan you can follow him on Twitter at Don Will spelled just like it sounds I'm not gonna spell it this week thank you to Optimus Prime you are my hero. It's okay. I'm my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Even Shiro's got to blow their nose. It's okay. Listen, I put my spanks on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. Oh my gosh, I'm wearing spanks right now. These are <laughs> awful contraptions. But the good thing about spanks is we never have to call them what we used to call them, <laughs> which is girdle. <laughs> the worst word. <laughs> Perhaps ever in the English language. Girdle sounds like um, like a digestive problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, you're having a horrible girdle right now. Ugh. Oh my God. Doesn't it? I'm right. I'm, yeah, what were we saying? <laughs> Twitter. Follow us on Twitter oh at another God. round. I'm delirious. <laughs> Find us on Facebook at another round. You can email us questions and love mail. Love mail? Love letters at another round at buzzfeed.com rate us on itunes if you love us do some soul searching if you don't because there's something <laughs> empty in you uh and tell a friend yeah drink some water do some stretching i've been stretching lately <laughs> you say that in the same intonation every time <laughs> like it really is lately but it's been a while now <laughs> right right um take your meds that too get some sleep oh my gosh that's what i'm gonna do right after this <laughs> let's go to bed let's leave <laughs> Bye. Bye. I will <laughs> never forget Chuck's mix is a state of mind. <laughs> trail mix. Trail mix. Excuse me, trail mix. Yes. Oh my god, I feel so insulted. Trail insulting. mix. Wait. Chex mix. Wait. Chex mix is great. All Chex mix is trail mix, but not all trail mix. It's true. I recently learned the there are the names mic. for the different parts of Chex Mix. Yes, you got the washcloth, the squiggly bit, things. the brown bit. You got the long thing. Anyways, you got thanks the for rocking things. with us. Don't listen to us anymore. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Sorry.